Thank you for joining us for this recent message from Freedom Ministries in Crossit, Arkansas. Connect with us online at freedomministriescrossit.com and let us know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Now prepare your heart to hear a word that we pray will bless your life. title of this message is Staring into the Flames. So this morning and tonight, and yes, the hair is still growing out. Yes, it's out of control. I'm actually going to get it trimmed this week a little bit just because it's just um, this side's fighting against this side right now. They're just not happy with one another. The hairs I actually looked semi-decent this morning, and I stepped out into that humidity, and it went, <laughs> He ain't told me to cut it off till the year's over, I think. Oh, my God. And I'm going to look just like Charlton Heston the last 15 minutes of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Don't laugh. That's kind of scary. So if I bust out Tuesday night with a let my people go, y'all just, y'all just roll with it. Jesus. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to share with you stories from out the, throughout the Word of God this morning that you have heard a bajillion times, but give you a common thread that maybe you haven't considered. And then I'm going to ask you to step up to the fire. So here's John the Revelator. He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. They tried to boil him in oil, and they couldn't kill him my kind of guy. We'll begin with verse 12. He's hearing a voice that's like a sound of a trumpet. He says, then I turned to see. Say see. See, thank you. See, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking. I'm sorry, y'all know I have a twisted sense of humor, right? So I just stop and crack up in the middle of sermons every now and then. Is that all right? Or at the beginning or at the end? Okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. When you wrestle with God, it leaves you twisted. <laughs> then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Some translations say seven golden candlesticks. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, breaching to the feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, where it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was as the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and hell. 
Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. And as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this incredible church. I thank you, Father God, for the amazing things that are coming Lord, open our spiritual eyes this morning that we might see what's coming. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. John the Revelator said, I turned to see. Something captured his gaze. Something caught his eye. Someone captured his gaze. And in verse 11, what it actually said was, write what you see. Seers see. He saw the seven golden candlesticks, which were the seven churches of God, represented the seven churches. We see the sermons that the Lord gives him in chapter 2 and chapter 3. He saw the seven angels and seven spirits that represent those churches and the angels that are watching over those churches. He sees Jesus glowing like the sun. So the sun was the sun. You feel me? And he saw fiery eyes, and when he looked into those fiery eyes, it might as well have just slew him. It just killed him. It knocked him straight down. He looks into the eyes of Jesus, and what he saw in the eyes of Jesus changed everything. Now, we had an uprising that your pastors got to attend, and I turned a 21-year-old girl loose on the crowd to preach. And by the way, that girl just got back from Guatemala. Now she's headed to India. We watched this girl. God raised her up at the Ramp School of Ministry, one of my spiritual kids named Kelly Daigle. Uh, she's finishing up, about to graduate from the Ramp. She's already been to Guatemala twice. She's headed to India. Then she's going to be going to Alaska. But we turned her loose. She had never preached a conference sermon in her life. All she'd ever done was preach on the mission field occasionally here and there. She preached twice for for the Ramp School of Ministry, it's hilarious. Uh, they almost failed her both times because her sermon wasn't perfect enough. <laughs> it wasn't put together right, you know. It, it, but she, it was fiery, it was passionate. But it was, and so she she's calling me on the phone. Oh my God, they tore my sermon to pieces. Like it's okay, baby girl, it's okay. It, they have to do that. They're teaching you how to do what you're supposed to be doing. But I turned her loose, and she got up and preached. And we had young people got saved that had been in church all their life, never got saved. And they walked up to me, black, white kids, Hispanic kids, walked up to me going, you don't understand, because you turned a 21-year-old loose and you just trusted that God was going to use them. Uh, I saw that and I realized that that could be me in a couple of years. Uh, and so I'm coming up and giving my heart to Jesus. But Kelly got up and said something, she's and she was, she's preaching, and she talked about eye-gazing. I had never even heard of it. It's kind of like this psychological counseling thing that, that they use for couples whenever they come in. They said for guys to and, and gals to get reattached to each other as husband and wife, to spend some time eye-gazing. Now, after you've been married a few years, it's just hard to sit in opposite recliners from one another. I'm sorry, nobody say amen. We don't need women to say amen. We don't need men to say, no, just, okay. <laughs> but that the, that the husbands and wives should just spend time across the table just looking into each other's eyes. I mean, like you did whenever you were cuckoo. Like you used to do when you were courting. Come on, Tim. Come on, Tim. <laughs> it's like when you, oh, my God, I made Tim blush. I made Pastor blush. Yes, my life is complete. 
when you would just gaze longingly into each other's eyes. And what they say is, if you can do that for, for a few minutes uh, and begin to look a little deeper, come on, somebody, and get to know one another. And Kelly, I'm going to that girl, that is good. You're 21 years old and you came up with that. But can you imagine when John looks up and sees Jesus and looks right in his eyes? And he saw everything about himself. He's, he looks into the Son of God's eyes and he sees what he should have been and what he could be. Hmm. So he says here, i got to tell you this. We were having an outpouring service. I don't remember if it was Steve Hill, the evangelist, who was there. And we put together this revival. I'm up on the platform. We had almost 900, almost 1,000 people that were there this night. My daughter, Tiffany, is now 32 years old. Got a beautiful little daughter of her own with my wonderful son-in-law down in Lafayette. But she was there. And, and at that time, you know, she was just standing in the front. And she's just, I think she's probably 16, 17 years old. She was doing this and swaying to the music. Worship music was going on. And just the, the team was just getting after it. The glory of God was falling. And I'm on the platform as the event coordinator. I'm just making sure everything's good. We've got our ushers in place. I'm thinking, you know, just all of a sudden my daughter goes, she looks up into the uh, up at the ceiling like that, and she goes, ah, and falls down. I went, that's cool. wonder what that was all about, you know. <laughs> and I, I find my daughter, she just lays there. I mean, service goes on. We get into the preaching. We take up the offering. We do all that stuff. She's just laying there just, ah, just crying a puddle on the floor like that. And I couldn't wait till after service. I said, baby, what happened? She said, I looked up, and Jesus was standing on the platform looking at me. And I looked into his eyes, and they looked like pools of fire. And I looked into his eyes, and I don't remember what happened after that, Daddy. How cool is that? He wants you to see him as he is. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. Hallelujah. He's king of kings and lord of lords. But he says in verse 19, write what you've just seen, John. Write what you are seeing and write what you see coming down the road. Let me say that again. I want you to write what it is that you've just seen. I want you to write what you're seeing right now. And I want you to write what I'm about to show you. It's all about having spiritual eyes to see. My prayer this morning is going to be for God to anoint your eyes with holy eye salve that you can see what you have not seen and see what maybe you haven't seen in a long time. It's time for a purified gaze. Are you ready to see what's coming? So right now God is calling you to look toward him. So we're setting the stage for what's coming even in this revival. And there are three things that God wants me to say to you while I'm here this morning. He's going to give you a revelation of his nature. Here's what you see whenever you look. And you see what you're supposed to see. You see a revelation of his nature. You see a revelation of his plans for you. And you see a revelation concerning his purpose on the earth. A revelation of who God is. A revelation of what his plans are for you. And a revelation of what his purpose is on the earth. Uh, because if you only just get the first two, you're going to miss it this morning. If you're just here for yourself, or if you're just here to see what you can see that's going to be going on in these services, then you're going to miss the ultimate purpose, which is God's purpose and plan. Do you want to see God rock this region? See, I touch Monday and Tuesday are kingdom. But I need you to rise up in strength while you're here. But these next two services, God's wanting to do a purifying work on you. God's wanting to shake some things out and set your life in order and set your house in order so you can do what he's called you to do. 
if the church does not come together, you won't be as effective as you could be. So not only is it that you see God and you know him as you should know him and you see him as you should properly see him and get an understanding of his nature and who he is and what he wants to do. And I know that's three sermons that I'm giving you that I'm having to congeal into one right now. And then you've got to begin to see yourself as he sees you and how he wants you to see yourself in his eyes and through his eyes who he sees you to be who he wants you to be, but the third thing is you need to see what's coming. And you see what his purpose is in the earth. Go to me to Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to move very, very quickly here. We're going to pray. Daniel is having a vision. He's having a vision of the Ancient of Days. And in Daniel chapter 7, beginning with verse 9, see, here's the other thing. Not very often, Pastor. Let me say this to you. I'm, I'm going to talk to y'all, but I want you, I want y'all to listen, okay? Guys like me don't get an opportunity very often to come to a place where the table is already set, where the prayer has... Look, these waves of revival are coming in. You guys have been praying. You've been team building. You're getting ready, ready, ready. God can't even send the harvest to many churches he can't even allow them to come in because the fish would fall right through the net and fall right through the fingers. The nets haven't been mended. The laborers haven't been trained. They're not really fishers of men. But you've been praying. You've been teaching. You've been preaching. You've been training. You've been getting them ready. And you're positioned for a move of the Holy Spirit like this region has never seen. My God, shake yourself and stand up. You don't get opportunities like this. I'm going to tell you something. I don't get opportunities like this. I come to churches and you're having to push that cart uphill. Fight devils left and right and nobody stand beside you and fight. And one or two people get a blessing and you, and you hope somebody comes out of it uh, with a little something, something. But this thing is ready. We're ready. All right, sit down, calm down, try. I'm, I'm going to try to stay calm. Verse 9, I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was white like snow. Remember, the first part of this is a revelation of the divine nature. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. Myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court set and the books are open. So it's a fiery throne, fiery wheels, uh, fire rolling out from under it. Uh, and God is glowing just like Jesus was glowing uh, because that's part of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. That's who he is. If you don't know the God of fire, if you just know the love, uh, the, the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, you know all these one. He's a healer. He's a redeemer. He's a sanctifier. Yes, he is, but God is fiery. I make people feel uncomfortable because I'm fiery. I'm sorry. I'm like Jesus. Oh, I'm not really sorry. I take that back. I'm not sorry. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words which the horn was speaking. This is the spirit of Antichrist that was even then trying to rise up against him and seize 
I kept looking, Daniel says, until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed time. So what happens is the river of fire destroys the kingdom of Antichrist. But the same fire of God, I want you to understand something. Wood, hay, and stubble burn up. Precious silver and precious gold and precious gems are only purified by the fire. It's all about the nature of who you are as opposed to the nature of God. And if you are those precious things, you're simply refined. But if it's wood, hay, and stubble, if it's works of the flesh, if it's works of darkness, it'll be burned up. Same fire. It's all about what you're made of. So Antichrist's kingdom. I'm having fun. But look what else happens out of the fire. I kept looking in the night visions. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. He came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. So it's got a fiery Jesus and a fiery father. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people's nations and men of every language might serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion uh, which will not pass away. Uh, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So this kingdom is only purified by the fire and strengthened by the fire. So what destroys the kingdom of Antichrist establishes the authority and the dominion of Christ. Go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Covering a lot of ground quickly. Run with me. Run with me, children. Ezekiel, I preach on the glory of God. I love to preach about the glory of God. So I love this passage from Ezekiel, and I preached about this before, but I'm just going to bring out a couple of things. Chapter 1, look at verse 13. Ezekiel sees that fiery chariot throne in the midst of the living beings. Remember those cherubim are on all four corners. There was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. The fire was bright. The lightning was flashing from the fire and the living beings ran to and fro like lightning. Hallelujah. Now as I looked at the living beings, there was one wheel on the earth beside the living beings uh, for each of the four of them. Hallelujah. And the appearance of the wheels and their workmanship was like sparkling barrel and all four of them had the same form. Their appearance and workmanship being as if one wheel were within another. So fiery wheel inside a fiery wheel. Go to chapter 10. Look at what happens. He sees the man in white linen. Chapter 10, verse 2. And he spoke to the man and clothed in linen and said, Enter between the whirling wheels uh, under the uh, cherubim and fill your hands with coals of fire. Okay, say this with me. Fill your hands with coals of fire from between the cherubim and scattered them over the city, and he entered into my sight. Now, jump down to verse 6 and verse 7, and I want to comment on this. And it came about that he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying to take fire from between the whirling wheels, from between the cherubim. He entered, he stood beside a wheel, and the cherub stretched out his hand from, uh, from between the cherubim into the fire, which was between the cherubim, took some, put it in the hands of the one clothed in linen, who took it and went out. Now, And he scatters these coals around the city. Look this way. Burning embers change everything. Burning embers out of the fire of God's presence change everything. You know how the fivefold ministry works? God is giving us burning coals to spread all over this region. No two of you are alike. No two of you have the same ministry. Every one of you reaches a people group uh, or someone. You have, you have a, a say into their life. You, you've got access into their life that I'll never touch, I'll never meet, and I'll never see. 
And God wants you to take coals from the fire that's being stoked here, this revival. And he wants you to take those burning coals and scatter them around this city, scatter them into the communities and the towns around here, scatter them into Louisiana and Arkansas, and see the glory of God begin to light up and fires break out everywhere. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm talking about the divine nature of God. You draw from what God is doing here. There's a wheel within the wheel that's spinning now here in this place. God is saying, take of the coals from off of these altars. Uh, take from the coals uh, from out of these whirling wheels, uh, out of my very presence. Uh, take of me. Don't start your own fire. Take my fire. We don't need false fire. We don't need man's fire. Look, I, uh, <laughs> there are churches that just don't want me to come. because, And they'll say stuff like this. Well, we, we don't want wildfire. Baby, you need some fire. And don't worry, there's enough wet blankets in your church to put it out. It's okay. I leaned over Tim a while ago. I said, I feel like a burning match is fixed to get thrown on lighter pine. You know that lighter pine? God wants you to look deeper into him. Uh, I, I like, anybody here like building fires and just like sitting around the fire? See, before the internet, before there was television, there was campfires. <laughs> and now we sit around a campfire doing this. I have no reception. What is, can you, your arms, your arms are longer than mine. Hold it. Can you get it up in the tree? No. Here's some tin foil. Will that help? No. Uh, one, time, one time I went and built, I went out from Bible school with a bunch of my buddies, and we were like, we were tubing down the rapids of this creek, and they said, man, we're, you know, let's, let's, let's camp out. I said, well, guys, look, I'll build a fire. You guys go, and uh, you, you go get some food, you know, go raid the cafeteria, do something. Y'all come back out here, and we were way out in the woods, and I built a big fire, and I kept waiting. It started getting colder. I built a bigger fire, and the guys never came back. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm about, you know, 15, 20 miles out of town. I'm thinking when I get back, I'm going to thump some heads if I ever make it back. And I'm getting hungry, and I'm building the fire up bigger, and the coyotes are howling. This is out in Texas. I went to Bible school out in Texas. And all them coyotes are howling, you know, and I'm thinking they're getting a little bit closer, you know. And all of a sudden, I heard something splashing coming down the creek, and it was making this noise. <coughs> and I'm thinking, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm looking like this, and all of a sudden, in, in, I build that fire up, and I, I'm standing by the fire. I pick up a burning brand from the fire. I'm looking like this because, look, when you're alone in the dark, you love the fire. Fire are us. I'm sitting there, and it's something splashing down the creek, and I look, and there are these glowing eyes that were about four foot off the ground, and I see something that's huge and black just kind of moving. They're like, and coming down this creek, and I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to kill them guys when they get back. I'm going to kill them guys if I ever make it back. I'm going to kill And all of a sudden, the farmer's bull just starts coming on past me like that. just kind of looks at me like, what's up with you? You know, and just goes down. Like, <laughs> but I sat back down, and eventually they did show up. No, I died in the wilderness. That's what happened. I'm not really here. Um, I'm standing there looking in the fire, and maybe that was the first time I ever just stopped 
and everything slowed down in my life, and I started watching the embers break down. You're throwing more wood on the fire, and you're watching the shapes begin to shift and begin to change. Years ago, God brought that back to me. You're never going to know the depths of God if you don't look deeper. You're never going to know how powerful your God is if you don't slow your roll, slow your life down, and begin to look deeper into God. Are you hearing me? It is all about who you know. In Daniel chapter 11, in Daniel chapter 11, let me jump back over here. He says this, then I'm going to move on. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. Holy Spirit, 31 and 32. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's the wrong passage of Scripture, guys. I wrote down the wrong Scripture. I'm <laughs> a professional preacher. I bet that was really good if I ever find it. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to read this anyway. This, oh, yeah, this, 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 this is it. This is it. I'm sorry. For <laughs> Aren't you glad you got a professional evangelist for this revival? This is brand new for me, too. Forces from him will arise, verse 31. Daniel's talking about this kingdom of Antichrist that was going to rise. But remember, God let him see his fire first. Forces from him will arise, desecrate the sanctuary fortress, and do away with regular sacrifice. And then they will set up the abomination of desolation. Look this way before I read verse 32. You're going to need the fire of God in the days ahead like never before. The Antichrist kingdom is growing and building and gathering strength. There is wickedness in the earth like we've never seen. You're not going to be able to do this without some firepower. If you don't look. How do I supposed to read that? By smooth words, he will turn to godliness. Godlessness. By smooth words, he will turn to godlessness, those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. The people who know their God in this clash of kingdoms will display strength and take action. This morning, what God is wanting me to do is to pray that the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon you and the power of our God come upon you, that you become firebrands for him, and that you become Holy Ghost arsonists for him. It's time to set these woods on fire in the Spirit. It's time to set these woods on fire that all these meth labs that are hiding out around here, that God shut them down, that all these crack houses all through these woods. Man, you got enough, you, you got enough room and enough work for 15 different drug rehab programs for this area. And you could do that, and you could fill them all up in a couple of weeks and still have to build more. Don't we need the power of our God that sets men and women free? Don't we need the power of God that burns up the works of the flesh and burns up the work of the Antichrist? The devil is trying to destroy your community. I knew it was going to be a fight. Point number two, go to Exodus chapter 3. The first one was a revelation of the nature of God, and I could spend an hour just talking about that, but I've got to get through this. Exodus chapter 3. I've never put all this together like this before. Help me, Holy Spirit. These are all common stories that are, that are sermons, many sermons for people. But in Exodus chapter 3, you all know the story. 
The angel of the Lord appeared to him, talking about Moses. He was in the wilderness serving his father-in-law Jethro and taking care of his flocks. And it says in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire. Now, I want to back up just a little bit. John the Revelator looks and he sees Jesus, right? Daniel says, I looked up and I saw a throne that was on fire. That was the, that was the language. And a river of fire coming out from under it. Y'all still with me? And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see. There's that word again, and see, this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place which you're standing on is holy ground. He turned to look. Part of the revelation is always going to be for you to not just come to church, not just be in a prayer meeting, not just be worshiping, not just be praying, but when the Holy Ghost begins to move, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to pay attention. And you need to turn and look at the fire and you need to move toward the fire. Stop running from the fire. Stop running from the presence of God. Start running into the presence of God. So you have to turn. You can be in church all your life and somebody else is seeing something you ain't seeing. Because you were running from it. You weren't running toward it. You weren't drawn to the flames. You were scared of the fire. Look at verse 9. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I've seen the oppression which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. So Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And I love this. I love what God said to him in verse 12. He said, certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought my people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this, mount, at this mountain. Oh, here is God's revelation of his plans for you. If you will turn aside and you will look into the fire, God's going to tell you something about the ultimate plan for your life. For your call, who you're supposed to become, who you're supposed to be, who you're supposed, what your family's supposed to be, because it ain't just about you, it's about your future generations. So there's a revelation in the fire about who God is. There's a revelation of the fire about who you are. I don't think you know who you are. I was cracking up. I wrote something on Facebook this week about superheroes, and I'm sure people probably didn't think that was really, really spiritual, but my superheroes now are those people that are in that. My dad cut hair and preached and planted churches, so I grew up in a barber shop, shining shoes, sweeping up hair, and reading comic books, and wishing that I was Spider-Man. And I turned out to look like the thing. So only people who read comic books even know what I'm talking about. The rest of you just nod your heads and act like you are wise in comic book lore, okay? So God's got a sense of humor, ha. Huh? But 
I wanted to be a superhero. I mean, I wanted to fly. I wanted to, like, run through the wall. I, I wanted, you know, I wanted... I want to do that. I wanted to rescue damsels in distress. You know, whenever you're 11 years old, you think that's cool. Now I want to see. I want to see the power of darkness broken. Jesus, Moses, you got me with you. You're my boy. Who am I going to say sent me? I sent you. It's good enough. Go to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're talking about a revelation of God's plans for you. These are all sermons that stand alone. I'm going to try to buzz through this real quick, just verse 37 and 39. Y'all all know the story. 450 prophets of Baal, one guy that belongs to God. God is actually revealing his plans in the earth with what's about to happen. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37 through 39, he simply prays this very, very, very simple prayer. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you've turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When the people saw it, when they saw the fire, their eyes were open. You guys are going to be walking up and down these streets healing the sick. Probably raising the dead, casting out devils. And people are going to say, what's going on here? I'm seeing fire. Well, let me tell you about the God of fire. I serve the real deal. I call on fire. He's up against all this witchcraft of Jezebel. Right out of Bible school, I married, I married my wife that I met in Bible school. We had our first baby, our little boy who's now a minister in Colorado and a mighty young man of God. And we're strolling, and we, I, we made a mistake. We didn't know there was a Renaissance fair south of Waxahachie, Texas. I didn't know what a Renaissance fair. I thought knights and jousting, and I thought that's going to be cool. I had no idea how witchcrafty it was and how much sorcery there was there. So, I mean, we went. We thought we were going to stroll around, you know. And the first thing that happens, I mean, we were newlyweds, right? And I married a Texas gal. I mean, she broke horses for a living. She broke me. I guarantee you that. I married a gal who knew how to shoot. For her birthday, her daddy gave her a sawed-off 12-gauge. That's a woman, y'all. Come on. That's a woman. <laughs> We're riding along. First thing that happens is this woman runs up. She goes, hi, I'm a winch, and I'm selling kisses for a dollar, but I'll give you one for free. And my wife said, no, you won't. Cindy wasn't thinking spiritual at that moment either. She was just like, I'm going to take her out in Jesus' name. And we walked by this tent, and all of a sudden, you talk about superheroes. My spidey sense started tingling. Again, you have to have read comic books, know what I mean. The Holy Ghost started going, oh. And I'm walking, and I'm looking at all these runes and uh, amulets, and I'm looking at all this witchcraft, and I went, oh, my God, this isn't even, this isn't a for play thing. This is the real deal. And we're right by, Cindy and I are both talking in tongues. You know how the Holy Ghost, you just get into the presence of evil, and the Holy Ghost just blows up. If you don't know, then you need to come down to the fire this morning. Just get a little closer. 
We're both talking in tongues, and we're pushing our baby. We're talking in tongues, and we're feeling like the hair standing up on the back of our neck like this. And I guess that the bad guy felt the same thing because it's hilarious. He, all, all of a sudden, the curtain parted, and <laughs> this guy steps out. And he had, uh, seriously, y'all, he looked like he, he looked like Dr. Strange. But, I mean, he had, the, like, the widow's peak thing. And, yeah, don't go see that. Anyway, and he's, <laughs> I'm not preaching going to movies. And, and he had that, and he had the dark, eye, you know, everything. He was playing the part, and he had, the, he had a cowl, and he had a black. This was back in the 70s, late 70s. He comes out, but he was the real deal. He steps out like this. He sensed that there was righteousness near him. Are y'all still with me on this? And he steps out like this, and he begins to do these beads like this, and he begins to do incantations and chants. And he begins to mutter like witches do sometimes. This is a full-blown warlock. This was a full-blown, that or possibly a satanic priest, maybe both, whatever. It doesn't matter. He was on the other side. And, I mean, we're just standing there with our baby, and we both start speaking in tongues. All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came on me. I put my wife behind me like this. I like what you was teaching in Sunday school, brother. I love that. Where are you? I love that. He was looking for you. He was saying all kind of good things about you. I'll just go ahead and tell you that now. You weren't in the room, but that, that man is totally in love with you. This is amazing. So he, no, he's going to be mad at me for telling you that, but let me ask him for anything. Get jewelry. <laughs> Jewelry's best, okay? There's an anniversary coming up. Brother, I'm sorry. I just set you up, man. It's all right. <laughs> I expect pictures, okay? Send pictures, man. And it's just like that. And the Holy, and I don't know why I started walking toward him speaking in tongues. And it was like a Clint Eastwood. It was, I can't whistle, so. It was just like, and he starts getting louder, and he's doing this. I, there was no, there couldn't have been, it was a field full of people. There couldn't have been another person there. And I'm just like, I don't even know why I'm moving toward him. I'm just like, like his, it was his territory, but I'm, I'm walking up because he started cursing me, and I'm like, oh, it's on. But it wasn't a thought. It wasn't something. I just, I pray. All of a sudden, he goes like this. I don't know if God let him see my, I got some bad to the bone angels. People see my angels. I ain't got to see them yet, which I'm a little bit bummed out at. But people see my angels all the time. I got warrior angels. They got broad shoulders. They are, oh, one of them's got two swords. People seen that guy all the time with two swords sticking up like that. They did that one Bible movie a couple of years ago where one of the angels was oriental and had two swords. I went, that's my angel. What are you doing working for Hollywood? What's up with that? <laughs> don't care if it is Roma Downey. No. Uh. <laughs> Random craziness. So I'm, I'm doing like this. I'm speaking in tongues. And he, all of a sudden he goes, his eyes got real big, and he went, <laughs> went back behind the curtain. I just went. <laughs> you got juice. It was revelation of his plans for you. When all the people saw it, when Moses turned in, he saw his future. But he also saw this last point. He saw God's purpose in the earth. I'm talking about gazing into the flames. Don't you just come to church anymore. Don't you just come to prayer anymore. Don't you just worship anymore. Let me say that again. Don't just come to church anymore. Don't just come to prayer anymore. Don't just come to worship anymore. The purpose of all of those things is an encounter with God. To look a little bit deeper. To see what you haven't seen before. To Go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'm going to close with this. Then we're going to pray. 
we're just setting the framework. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Everybody knows this passage of Scripture? What has been the connecting factor with all that I've been saying to you this morning? If this church is about to go to another level in God, Chapter 7, now when Solomon had finished praying, fire, say fire, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. The priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. All the sons of Israel seeing the fire come down. And the glory of the Lord upon the house bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave praise to the Lord, saying, Truly he is good. Truly his loving kindness uh, is everlasting. Uh, they saw the fire and the glory of God, and they fell down and worshiped the Lord. The common denominator to all of these examples that I have just given you is the visual component. Fire draws the curious. Anybody here ever seen smoke in the distance and you drove toward it? Anybody here ever saw smoke somewhere close to your neighborhood and you went, oh, my God, somebody's house on fire? And you drove to see whose house is on fire. Let God set this house on fire and let God set your house and your life on fire because it's not about just you. It's about his purpose and his plan in the earth. Uh, people will be drawn to the fire. Fire draws those who are cold. It draws those who are weary and they want a safe place. Uh, it draws those who are feeling threatened uh, by the darkness. Fire draws people. Fire is energy. Fire purifies fire illuminates. Our God is a consuming fire. I wrote this down. This is what the Lord gave me. Fire draws the hungry because they know that it can help them prepare food. Fire draws the, the restless. It's captivating. It reveals. It purges. And fire makes you bolder. And there appeared to them, Acts chapter 2. <laughs> We're coming up on Pentecost Sunday. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. It says there appeared to them. They saw something. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak with other tongues. They saw, and they were filled a revived, fiery church impacts the world around it. Right out of Bible school, I went to work for an older minister named R.A. Maxwell. He was a living legend in that part of Texas. He had a third-grade education. Tall, stately man, stood about six foot five. When I went to work for him in the church, he was in his 70s. A man with that little education had become what was called uh, in our denomination, the Assemblies of God, an executive presbyter over that region in North Texas, which was the largest in our denomination, with at that time over 600 churches. And that was the man who sat on the ruling council with three or four others because of his wisdom. But he was old school Holy Ghost, and yet he took in a young whippersnapper like me who was smart aleck and full of himself, very prideful, even a little arrogant, 
He brought me to nursing homes with him. He brought me to hospitals with him. I watched him go through a wife who passed away, and he cared for her. And I watched him be hurt in one of his legs, go from crutches to a wheelchair, then be miraculously healed by God and back up on his feet and preaching. And he even remarried and had 10 more good years of ministry after that. And that man who would preach under the anointing of God, whether he was in pain, he would preach under the anointing of God, whether he was grieving, and people were getting saved, and they were getting filled, and they were getting healed. And I admired him, his humility. But when he got in the pulpit, like he used to say it, I'll get a little hide, tack it on the wall, and salt it down every Sunday morning. But he loved his people. I loved him. He was my first spiritual father. And I preach a little bit like him now. He said, son, we went to a Methodist camp meeting and got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he said it was that John Wesley Methodist. Not them cold. He said it was a long-running revival. He said, I saw people getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. There was three young men about my age, and we all said we wanted. We all got saved. And he said, we sought God and sought God. He said, I, every, all my friends got the Holy Ghost. I wanted. He says, I was plowing in Jack County in rock country busting out rocks over, but behind a brace of mules. I mean, that's the story now. He's plowing on a regular old plow like this behind a brace of mules. At 11 o'clock, he said, just before noon, the Holy Ghost hit me, and I fell out in the spirit and laid out in the field speaking in tongues. They thought I had a heat stroke. He said, but I wasn't preaching with fire. And I said, God, is there more? I'm talking about looking a little bit deeper into God. I'm talking about finding out how mighty your God is who you really are, find out your own identity as true sons and daughters of God, and also finding out what God's purpose is on the earth for this church, for your family. He said, so I said, God, there's got to be more, because my question of him riding in the car, I did, he was just such a mighty man of God, I was afraid to even ask him anything. And I said, can you tell me how you preach with such fire? He said, boy, said, we would work 12, 14-hour days. He said, on Friday night, we'd go out on top of a high hill out in that West Texas. <laughs> you could see the stars for days. I mean, he said, we would go out there, and we had a big rock at the top of a hill, and we made that our altar, and there was four or five of us guys. He said, one night, we prayed, and we prayed for hours. He said, we're all wide awake. He said, and there's three guys that can attest to this, even today, when he was telling me this. He said, we said, God, send the fire. Send the fire. Lord, we want your fire. We want to preach like Paul the Apostle. Uh, Paul the Apostle. We want to preach like a John Wesley. We want to preach, Lord. With fire, he said, be careful what you ask for. He said, we looked up into the sky, and it looked like a ball of fire coming down out of the sky. He said, he said we were poor, uneducated guys. We, we didn't have time to think a meteorite is about to hit me in the face. He said, we actually opened our mouths to scream, and it hit us in the face, and it went down inside of us. You don't think God does supernatural stuff? Yeah, you come follow me around. It gets crazy. All to his glory. It scares our flesh, especially if you're used to the church of the Frigidaire. If you were going to the church of the Chosen Frozen before you got here, 
things are about to get a little uncomfortable for you. But you can go back. They'll let you back in the fridge. It's okay. As long as you got money. Bad preacher. You know, the first thing we always think when we hear a story like that, and I'm closing with this. Could, could I get you to come back to the keyboard? We're going to we'll hold up on the song list until. Can I get you to come back to the keyboard? We have to prepare the sacrifice. Don't run off. Holy Spirit. Begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. We don't like to get too close to the fire. We're afraid that something might burn up that we're not willing to surrender. But this morning, God is asking you to bring your all. Lay your all on the altar. Present your body a living sacrifice. We want the fire of God to flow in every ministry of this church and every outreach, every campus. Amen? So in a moment, there's two parts to this altar call. The first part is repentance and brokenness because we must go through multiple levels. I'm not talking about repenting from dead works. I'm talking about getting closer to the fire so that you can see those things that need to be dealt with that you haven't seen, they haven't come to light yet. It's one of the things that happened with Moses when he turned to look. His God going, yeah, that's right. I'm God and you're not. I'm holy. You're not. So when the fire gets turned up, things can't hide. And friends, we don't need to hide anymore from God. We need to be exposed to the divine nature. Look, this church is about to go somewhere that it's been wanting to go for a long time. It's already on the road. You're not here by accident. You're here by heavenly design. You're a part of the future outreaches, the future ministries that are going to spread. The training is going to be ongoing until Jesus comes. For every race, for every background, God is doing a holy work here. And those are the three things that's going to happen. Your eyes are going to be open by looking right into the eyes of God and right into the face of Christ. And you're going to realize who your God is and how mighty he is. Your eyes are going to be open about his plans for you. And you're going to see yourself through his eyes. And some things are going to be revealed about you, things that need to be dealt with right here today, but also the glory of God that is set before you and the joy of the Lord that is set before you. Come on, if you're intercessors in this church, you need to begin to intercede right now. And the third thing is it's bigger than you. I said it's bigger than you. It's bigger than a church. It's bigger than one ministry. It's bigger than a denomination. Uh, it's kingdom-sized. Every tribe and tongue and nation needs this gospel. Can I get an amen, somebody? So the first thing we're going to do, stand to your feet. I wonder how many of you would join me up here in a prayer of brokenness. How many of you 
would come up here, and by coming out of your seat and standing around the front, and I'm fixing to pray for the fire of God to fall on people in a minute. But right now I'm asking you, how many of you would come up here and stand before the living God in brokenness and repentance? How many of you would do that? How many of you would turn aside to see the fire? A lot of people, but not everybody. I'm going to wait just a moment. Just begin to play softly. I'll be really honest with you. I longed to have my revival team with me. This weekend, you know why they couldn't? They've been running with me, and now everywhere they go, they have revival breaking out. So there are people right now from both Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas that I know of that are praying for this revival. One of them's going to be with me tomorrow, coming all the way from Houston, Texas, to help me. I want you to understand, God told me there was going to be warfare around this. He told me to ease into it this morning, but we're going to be hitting it hard. I'm willing to lay everything on the line. I'll tell you where I'm at. When my wife passed away, I sold every stick of furniture that we had, and actually I gave a bunch of it away to ministry. Everything that I own can be put in a pickup truck right now. I don't have houses. I don't have land. Definitely don't have a big bank account. And I'm telling you all that to have you understand this about me. And I never talk about money. I'm talking about position. Okay, so you'll know that. I don't know how many years I've been coming here. Seven, eight, nine. I don't really talk about money. I'm telling you about position. I'm all in. I'm all in. This don't even look pretty. I'm a working man. This is the work God's given me to do. Okay? I'm here to fight. I'm here to war alongside you and to bring heaven's firepower to bear. But if you don't get some things right, you just won't make it. Because the devil's going to turn up his end of it. And my friend, if you don't know your God the way you should know your God, you won't be able to stand. So I want you to search your heart right now. Talking to every one of you. I've, I've been trying to make eye contact with a little bit with every one of you. And somebody don't want to look at me. That's all right. I just look at God, okay? You need to examine your heart right now. What is there that needs to be dealt with? Is there any bitterness or unforgiveness? Maybe you say, well, I forgave, but you know something rises up in your heart when you think about that person. It might be a family member. It might be a coworker. It might be somebody in the church. It may be somebody from another church that hurt you or even from two or three churches ago that hurt you, but you never dealt with that baggage and you're still carrying it around and it's hindered you from going deeper in God and you know it. You've been wounded. You've been done wrong. You've suffered rejection. Some of you have suffered abandonment. 
Some of you suffered abuse as a child. You were molested. You were hurt. You were raped. And there's some things in your spirit that need to come to light. Not to confess to man, but to give to God. Some of you are dealing with pornography issues and you still come to church. Some of you are dealing with compromise issues. Things that you know God's told you not to do. Not man told you not to do. God told you not to do. And you've allowed them in your life and it has weakened your position in God and it's left a back door open for the devil to destroy your life. Uh, well, church, uh, we're going on to greatness in God. You need to let God finish what he started in you. Oh, Jesus. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer of brokenness and repentance. But you got to mean it. If you're just going to mouth the words that I say, that ain't going to be it. I could talk to you about the fire all morning long, all day long, all night long, and you'll never turn aside and see for yourself. God is saying, come. Come, son. Come, daughter. Come. Come warm yourself by the fire. Those predatory beasts that are prowling around on the outside, you'll be safe over here. Let me burn up everything that doesn't look like Jesus in your life. Do you mean it? Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I humble myself. I'm turning aside. I'm turning to you. I'm drawing closer to your holy fire. Have mercy on me, O oh God. I repent and I renounce the things of the world. I repent of the lust of the flesh, of the lust of the eyes, of the pride of life, of the love of this world. I repent of bitterness and unforgiveness. I forgive those who've wounded me, rejected me, and abandoned me. And I plead the blood of Jesus over my mind, my body, and my spirit. Forgive me of compromise. I come now in total obedience to you. Here I am, Lord. Raise your hands right now. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Asia, get those songs ready. Just get ready. Pastor Casey, repentance is going to be an every service thing. There's going to be some, Pastor, repentance is going to be an every service thing. Brokenness. People are going to say, how is it that that church is walking in such authority? How are they walking in such power? Because they got so close to the fire. They've been washed in fire. They've been filled with holy fire. Whenever they speak, fire comes out of their mouth. Whenever they lay hands on people, fire's dripping off their fingertips. They're like their daddy. They're just like their Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message from Freedom Ministries. For more information and to stay connected with us, find us on Facebook or the web at Freedom Ministries Crossing.
www.ethicalcoach.com.